The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? And welcome, everybody, a special snowy edition. And this is the first time in a long time that both Joseph Heckey, Democratic strategist Bill McCosh, and the Republican side of the aisle, we're all working remote today, so it's going to be a little trickier. But we've got a lot of things to talk about. And just a, a show note, we will keep you posted on the uh, certainly the weather emergency that's going to happen today. There's a lot of snow. It took me about twice as long to get to work today. And with the snow and the wind, uh, my advice from a non-meteorologist perspective is, Stay home if you don't absolutely have to go somewhere. So good morning to Joe Zapecki. Good morning. And Bill McCaution. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Joe. And did I understand, Bill McCaution, that you are celebrating a birthday? Well, yesterday, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is my last uh, trip around the sun in the 50s. All right. You look you so, look damn good for a guy that's almost 60 years old. Can I say that out loud? <laughs> I just did. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, so gentlemen, we had a debate this week. We had a town hall. We had the Chris Christie announcement. I'll start with you, Bill, since a lot of that focuses on the Republican side of the aisle. What what did we glean or what did we understand today that we didn't maybe understand on Monday? Yeah, I think the Christie move is the most significant of the week because that has the potential to impact not Iowa necessarily, and probably unlikely he would impact Iowa, but he definitely could impact uh, New Hampshire. He has said he will not support any candidate that uh, doesn't um, say that Donald Trump should not be the president and, you know, say without question they won't be his running mate. Uh, That's impacting Haley to a point, but all of her, his voters or two thirds of his voters say that she's their second choice. So the likelihood is him getting out of the race will help Haley in New Hampshire and give her an opportunity to win New Hampshire, which is extraordinary. I mean, there are some new polls out uh, this week from the Boston Globe that still show Trump up 20 points in uh, New Hampshire, but there are others by the University of New Hampshire that show it within slightly outside the margin of error, six or seven points. Um, Christie was polling at 12%. So if, if two thirds of his go her way, um, there's a chance that she could pull even or even potentially sneak out a win in New Hampshire, which would be the first time we've had sort of a game changer in the dynamic of this race. So I, I think that of all the things that happened this week, that's the biggest. And Joe, you, you, you and Bill have been tracking politics for a long time. I, I've been thinking about this, especially in respect to the weather we're having here in Wisconsin today. There's going to be some pretty crazy weather in Iowa. Do you think any yeah. of those weather conditions could impact results, or is, or is that not a not a situation we should be paying attention to? I, I do think the weather in Iowa on Monday is going to be a factor. The same polar vortex, low single-digit air temperature that we're going to be dealing with here, they're going to be dealing with there. And there's just no question that that's going to – mean fewer people go out to their location and fill out their caucus card. And so the question becomes, and what we might get a better read on, is we have assumed all of the enthusiasm within the Republican Party 
is there for Trump, that ultra MAGA wing, that third of the Republican Party that is never going to abandon him. The question we may get more insight into is, are we right about that? Or is more of the enthusiasm in the stop Trump, anyone but Trump lane? It's, I would not say it's a never Trump uh, part of the party. There's just not enough Republicans who, who are never Trump to have that matter. But enthusiasm and, and the strength of your conviction can get you through a snowstorm, can get you through you know, freezing cold temperatures. So I think it's possible that with fewer voters participating on Monday, just because of the weather, the results could be a little bit off from some of the polling. And in which direction that turns out to be could give us some clues about where we're going. Now, that said, I have a hard time believing Trump is going to win by anything less than 15 points in Iowa. And if he does that and then turns around and also wins New Hampshire by any amount, I think this thing's over. I'd be curious what Bill's take on that is. I know you guys are the Nikki Haley fanboys and and good on you. But if, if Trump goes two for two, is this thing over? Bill? Yeah, I think it is. So I think the snow is more likely to impact turnout on Monday than the cold because all these caucuses are held indoors. So uh, will a little, little old lady go out in the cold to cast her ballot if she's passionate about it? Yeah. Will she go out in 10, ten inches of snow? Probably not. So there, there is a possibility for the weather to be a factor here. I think Joe's over under on Trump in Iowa is probably fair. 15. Most polls have him somewhere between 20 and 35 points up. Uh, but as we talked about last week, this is really all about expectations. If he doesn't hit 15 or above, did he meet expectations? No, he didn't. If Nikki Haley comes in second, which the Suffolk poll yesterday said she's now in in Iowa. By the way, I, I, I'm not sure I believe that. But if she does, she exceeds expectations. And she gets momentum out of Iowa, much more so than Trump, winning by 15, 18, 20 points. And that propels her into New Hampshire. If DeSantis does, in fact, come in third, there's really no clear path for him anywhere after that because he, he was in fourth place in New Hampshire. He was in fourth place in uh, South Carolina, and he was in third place in Nevada, which are the next three caucus or, or primary states. So I, I think for DeSantis, he has to come in a close second to keep this thing going. And if, and if he doesn't, he will not hit expectations, and I think that that's probably the end of his campaign. Let's take a break here. Bill McCoshin, Republican strategist, Joseph Hecke, Democratic strategist. We all watched the debates on, uh, I think it was Wednesday. Was it Wednesday, Tuesday? When was that debate this week, guys? Wednesday. Wednesday night. Wednesday. Um, that's the two candidates that are trying to uh, wrangle the nomination from Donald Trump. We'll get your thoughts about what you saw. There was a lot of back and forth, certainly an engaging debate. We'll discuss that and more with the Political Power Hour guest, as usual, on remote this Friday on WTMJ. Oh, the love for Bill McCoshin is almost 60 years old, but enjoying his uh, birthday weekend, a snowy weekend here in Wisconsin. We'll obviously keep you posted on all the latest traffic and weather updates as we move through the morning and throughout the day here on WTMJ. Uh, I watched the debate on Wednesday night, and one of the things I noticed, um, I'll start with you, Bill, is the um, the two candidates who are trying to, I guess, as I said before, wrangle the nomination from Donald Trump, they certainly went after each other, but 
the part that I guess bothers me, and this is me, and may other Republicans may think differently, is that when they were asked the character question about the moral character of Donald Trump, they both basically didn't go after the former president. Your your thoughts on what that means uh, in the in the race if these two candidates don't seriously challenge Donald Trump? Well, I'm going to go back to something that Joe said in the opening, because I think it's it's relevant to this discussion. So if you just look at the viewership, Donald Trump was on Fox at the same time with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. DeSantis and Haley were debating on CNN with Jake Tapper and Dana Bash. And uh, Trump got roughly twice as many viewers. But let's let's focus on the 2.8 million people who watched the debate that you and I watched, Steve, which was between Trump and or Haley and DeSantis. Those that group includes a significant number of two time Trump voters. These aren't never Trumpers. Joe made this point and it's it's relevant. These are people that are looking to move on from Trump and things they didn't like about uh, his administration or him personally or maybe a combination thereof. So. Uh, the challenge for Trump, if he ultimately is the nominee, is finding a way to bring those people back. He won't be able to bully them back. That, that, that'll have the opposite effect, in my opinion. Uh, the debate itself was a little hard to watch because it, they were just landing body blows, uh, one after the other, both sides. I mean, the good news is both Haley and DeSantis can give and take a heavy blow. Uh, the bad news is Trump wasn't on the stage, so I don't know that either one of them uh, really stood out, at least not to me. Some post-debate polling had DeSantis winning it in the viewers' minds, you know, 55 to 33, I think. I thought it was closer than that. But, um, you know, the reality is without Donald Trump on the stage, I don't know that either one of them moved the needle. So uh, for them to, to be a legitimate challenger to him, they have to be compared to him, which means they got to be standing on the stage with him. Joe, you're a Democrat. What do you think watching that debate? Well, Mark Leibovich of The Atlantic the other day, I heard him on a podcast, pointed out, he reminded me that there was a time in this country when the March Madness, you know, the NCAA Final Four tournament, that there was a consolation game. And that there used to be like a consolation game in football between the conference championship teams that, that lost and didn't go to the Super Bowl. And DeSantis v. Haley just it kind of felt like that it felt small neither one of them you know between the haymakers they were throwing at one another really found a way to elevate themselves and make the moment and their candidacy seem bigger than it is I mean like let's just call this what it is this is really, really weird, strange, odd. If we weren't on public air, I'd be using more loaded terms. There's a candidate who is a twice impeached you know, criminal defendant facing 91 indictments in a variety of courtrooms across this country, who is a former president and the leading candidate for a major party nomination, and he refuses to debate his opponents, and most of his opponents refuse to directly take him on. Let's just understand how bizarre that is three days before the Iowa caucuses. You know, that's a great point, Joe. And, Bill, I, I would say the way they answered the question that I referred to earlier suggests that Trump won't have to work hard to get them in his camp if he blows them away in these early primaries. I think that 
It's just going to happen. I, now, I will tell you, someone who hosts a radio show, I am getting more requests from spokespeople, representatives, strategist folks who work for Haley and DeSantis than I've had in the entire race so far. So there is certainly a desire to get their messaging out, even in places like Wisconsin, which isn't going to matter for a while. There is there is a lot going on, but it doesn't matter if they can't get through the first few primaries. No, I think that's right. And both of the things that Joe pointed out work to Trump's advantage, right? He's not taking hits from them directly. A town hall is far easier than a debate. It's generally friendly. I think if Haley and DeSantis missed an opportunity the other night, it was being more personable, maybe adding a little bit of humor. Uh, You know, the likability factor was a little hard on Wednesday night because they were hammering each other so hard. Uh, and, and at some point you want to, you want to have that moment. And, and a lot of times that moment comes with humor. It comes with like ability, you know, w- w- where you stand out and people say, okay, I really like that person. I can see myself voting for that. I didn't, I didn't have that impression on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, I haven't made a final choice, even though Joe's got me in one of the camps, but it's, uh, I'm watching the process play itself out. And so far Trump has played it masterfully and, you know, as well on his way to the nomination. Uh, Chris Christie made a I'm getting out of the race speech. I, I, I said on social media, I thought it was one of the best speeches I've ever heard. And, and you know, you can look at his his uh, term in, in, in the governor's spot, you know, Bridgegate and all those things. And, and also, you know, he, this is a guy that was an ally of Donald Trump for a while. So you can you can consider that stuff. But I thought it was a message that had to be said. Now, if it resonates with Republican voters, that has to be determined. That has to be seen with actual votes. But I thought it was something that needed to be said. And I thought he did a very good job with his speech. Um, I was beaten up by hardline conservatives for saying those words that I thought was a great speech. As somebody who works with Republicans, talks about Republican politics, is a diehard conservative, Bill, what do you make of the Christie speech? I don't know anyone in Wisconsin who was for him. Doesn't mean there weren't people. His speech did, his words, his message resonated with 12% of New Hampshire, which put him in third place. Uh, ahead of DeSantis and but behind Haley. So there is a market for what he's saying, but it's a market that's not big enough to win a GOP primary. So then then the question becomes, and this was out in the national media yesterday, that the no labels party is now trying to recruit him to be one of the two ticket members for the no labels party, because, you know, they they would like him to be anti-Trump. I don't know that Chris Christie would ever do that. But if he wanted to continue this message, you know, he, he basically said there's he'll do everything he can to prevent Donald Trump from being the nominee. I don't know what he can do to to do that other than potentially getting in the race as a third party candidate. It's to me, it's indicative of a problem that Trump will have in the general election. There's there's people like him and others, very high profile Republicans who will absolutely not vote for Donald Trump. That's almost a recipe for failure. And I don't know how you overcome that. Joe, you're a Democrat, but your thoughts on Chris Christie and his, and his uh, closing comments in this race. Well, I, I, it was a remarkable piece of co- political communication. Full stop. It was also from a flawed messenger but I do think what we should try to do is separate the polling and the numbers and the, you know, the who's up, who's down. Was he resident? Was he the right candidate at the right time? Separate that from how important it is that he said the things he said, which is that the founders of this country 
your Benjamin Franklins and George Washingtons and James Madisons would be beside themselves that someone like Donald Trump was a leading candidate to be president of the United States. And the scenario he laid out where people ask Christie on the trail all the time, how come there isn't a law about not being able to run for president if you're facing 91 federal criminal indictments? And the answer Christie gave is the right one. The founders didn't make a mistake. They didn't think that we, the people, would ever countenance anyone like Donald Trump, who behaves the way he does, who isn't even disputing the actions that he has been charged for. He is just saying that because of the role he had as president, they're not crimes, that the founders could never have have contemplated a scenario where we, the people, would decide that someone like that should lead this country. And so the question that we, the people, have to answer in the next 10 months is, are we who the founders hoped that we were? Or have we fallen so far that we may really return someone who, as Christie pointed out, will choose himself over the people of this country every single time and return him to a position of power? And so I don't care whether he had 12 percent support or 112 percent support. That was an important message for someone to say. And I'm sure it reached beyond the support he already had in New Hampshire. He is Joseph Pecky, Bill McCoshin. Join us the Political Power Hour. It's a great segue to our next conversation. Are they court cases involving the former president, or are they campaign stops? We will discuss after this on WTMJ. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, I sense a theme. Bill, happy birthday, Bill McCoshin. Yesterday, Bill McCoshin, Republican strategist, Joseph Pecky, on the Demo- Democrat side of the aisle. Um, gentlemen, Donald Trump is facing... Multiple indictments in places like New York, Georgia, Florida, Manhattan, and Washington, D.C. I ask this question in all seriousness. It seems to me that the former president, he understands, hopefully, the seriousness of these cases, but he's actually looking at these these appearances, and he certainly made a statement that was shut down by a judge this week, um, as campaign stops. And if he can't go on the road, he'll just do it in the in the form of speaking out loud either during the trials or after he leaves the courtrooms? Uh, what do you think, Bill? Well, um, listen, he, 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 the first 51 years of my life, anyone facing the amount of charges that Donald Trump is facing would have instantly been eliminated from con- serious consideration in any presidential race. But, you know, he, he has changed the paradigm of what our politics looks like. And to the point where, each time he goes to court, he does make it a campaign stop. And frankly, it works for him. And let's not forget, when Democrats tried to recall Scott Walker in 2011, his, he got a higher percentage and 100,000 more votes in the recall than he had gotten in 2010 uh, when he beat Tom Barrett the first time. So voters are sympathetic to this notion of unfair attacks. And Donald Trump has framed this as it's an unfair tra- attack being directed by uh, Joe Biden and his Department of Justice, and it's it's politically motivated to try and interfere with the election. Whether the three of us or some of your listeners agree with that assessment or not, he's been able to cement that narrative with his with his hardcore supporters. And so every time he goes out there and says, "I'm being un- unfairly attacked again," 
there's a significant number of Republicans who believe it. Joe, take your Democratic hat off for a second, even though you're a Democratic strategist. I mean, it's not a bad strategy. If you you can't make it on the road, just take your uh, campaign stop to the courtroom. It's the only strategy. Of course he has to do this. And and I'll leave my strategist hat off and say the the risk that he runs and the challenge that that strategy faces was on full display this week, which is that we are reaching a point in some of these appeals and hearings where now the judges get to ask the hard questions. Okay, and so the validity of the strategy Trump in that narrative he's pushing runs squarely into the audio track we now have of Donald Trump's lawyer suggesting that if a president of the United States ordered SEAL Team 6 to kill a political rival, that that would not be subject to criminal penalty in this country unless the United States Senate impeached that person first. That is now audio that exists. That's a conversation that had to happen in an American court of law because of the absurdity of Donald Trump's behavior. And I mean, like, again, just as an American, that's nuts, folks. By that same logic, the current president of the United States could have SEAL Team 6 do that to a political rival and then six SEAL Team 6 on whichever United States senators were threatening to impeach them. That is insane, and that is the problem with a political strategy born of, well, gosh, I did all these crimey crimes. What am I supposed to do now other than try to delay for long enough that I get reinstated as president and can pardon myself? The only thing he can do is sing hazanas to his base from the steps of courthouses up and down the eastern seaboard. This is insane, folks. I think absurd was the right uh, right word that you used there. Bill, I only got about a minute before the break, but look, this this is the moment, I think, where Republicans, and again, I can tell by the, 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 the fury of, of uh, emails and requests that I get, this is the moment where Republicans and, and some Republicans and conservatives are saying, you know what, let's not do this. But I can tell you, as we talk about this, more and more people are saying, at least on the text line, and take it for what it's worth, Donald Trump's being prosecuted and persecuted we're not putting up with it. You will not tell us who our candidate's going to be. That's what I hear. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, the reality is these things, whether they're uh, real or imagined, uh, have made him stronger. We've never seen anything like this in any of our lifetimes. I think it is unique to him. Uh, you know, I, I can make an argument that Biden's seen some of the same benefits, uh, at least as it relates to his son. But we are in a paradigm where, you know, what happened in the past doesn't necessarily matter. We want the guy who's going to fight and we don't want him. We want it to be fair. We don't want him to be mistreated. And, uh, you know, all of this has made Trump stronger in 23 leading into 24 than anyone could have imagined. A year ago, last November, November of 22, Ron DeSantis was winning uh, the national polls. And, And now he's He's way behind in most states. He's close in Iowa, but but that's about it. So it's 
these all of these indictments have, have given Donald Trump earned media to define a narrative that the little guy responds to. This isn't fair. I'm being unfairly attacked and it really isn't about me. They're coming for you. And that, and a lot of Republican voter, voters agree with that. Great point. And I think if you look at the uh, the Donald Trump phenomena, if that's what you want to call it, he understands his voters better than anyone else does. We'll take a break here. Bill McCaution, Joseph Becky, the political power hour on a snowy Friday on WTMJ. Boy, Bill's getting more love than the day after his birthday. They got on his birthday. My goodness. Bill McCaution, Republican strategist, Joseph Becky, joining us remotely today because of the weather and uh, my advice is if you don't have to go out, absolutely have to go go out, stay home, keep your driveway clean, and uh, probably do it more than once. All right, gentlemen, I, I, w- I always want to talk about issues, right? The, we, we were talking about some general topics related to the election. But I'm going to ask Joe first, and then I'll ask Bill a, a, a question related to uh, the leader on the Republican side, Donald Trump. But, but this one, I get a lot of feedback on, Joe, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Does Joe Biden, current president, the presumptive nominee for the nomination for Democrats for 2024. Does he have a border problem? He does. And he's trying to solve it. And that's the way this is supposed to work. That if you, you know, you get pressured from the public and the public demands change, you do something about it, which is why the White House is working with negotiators on Capitol Hill to try and get a deal to secure the border, add agents, do something about what's happening at the southern border. Now, that's what's supposed to happen. What's not supposed to happen is Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson saying he's making good progress in torpedoing the deal, that he doesn't want there to be a deal. And that's running up against the likes of Republican Senator Mitch McConnell, who is saying, if we don't get a deal on the border now, if we don't get this done, It's not going to happen. And I know it is easy to demagogue on this issue, but the two of you and I have been paying attention long enough to know that there were moments in the Obama administration and the Bush administration when there could have been an actual bill, a new law that changed the way the border operated. And some politicians, and because it was both the Democratic president and a Republican president this happened under, it was both sides, decided they would rather have the political issue than solve the problem. Right now, today, Joe Biden is trying to solve the challenge, and he has folks like Mitch McConnell, very conservative, very different politics, who are trying to get there with him. But you have people like Ron Johnson making an actual solution harder, and that is a shame. Bill, you can react to that, but I also want to ask you if Donald Trump, the leader on the Republican side, has a economy, and this is my term, economy too good problem. I say no to your question. Uh, I, most voters still view this economy negatively. Uh, you know, two-thirds of them think that country's headed in the wrong direction. Biden's approval number on the economy is in the 30s. His approval number on inflation is in the high 20s on some polls, low 30s on others. So, uh to the extent there's been a disconnect with voters on uh, what is going on in the economy and whether uh, and whether or not that benefits them, whether they're seeing any impact from that. That could change over six months. I want to be really clear about that. Six months, not, you know, until the conventions is a very long time, and that could improve for Biden for sure. Uh, but on the, on the border issue, yeah, I think Biden's got a huge problem here, and I'm not sure 
Uh, I think this is the one time in history where Republicans might be able to get the strongest deal possible. Whether or not you can keep the Republicans in Congress together to get that deal or they get something far less than that and call it a great deal, you know, that's what I'm concerned about as a Republican. I think there is an opportunity to sort of pin down Democrats and get a win out of this. And frankly, if it's the only thing they get in 2024, it would be significant. But I'm not sure that's how they're thinking. I mean, the budget deal that Mike Johnson, the new speaker, cut with uh, with the Senate last week probably spent more money than Kevin McCarthy would have ever spent. And it certainly spends more than Nancy Pelosi has ever spent. So uh, while I want Mike Johnson to succeed, I think his first uh, bipartisan deal with with the Senate was a failure. I, I don't view it as a success, but they do have an opportunity to get something significant done on the border if they do. That could benefit Biden as well. There's just no question about that. That's how politics works. If the border is sealed off by sometime this summer, Biden will be able to say that he signed that deal. Uh, that's politics, right? Polit- but if you want to get it done, this is the time. Political Power Hour, Bill and Joe will be back with the grab bag after this. It's your birthday. Yes, it is your birthday. Oh, it's Bill McCoshin's birthday. Happy 59 to Bill McCoshin, Republican strategist Joseph Pecky. Not his birthday, but he's uh, he's hanging in there as well, a little under the weather. But he's here because he's always here. And we are certainly under a, a snow storm warning or whatever the official term is. I don't know. It's just it's a lot of snow, a lot of wind. Don't drive if you if you don't have to. Uh, grab bag is where we're at right now. Joseph Pecky, you're up first. All right. Well, speaking of the snow, one of the unfortunate impacts of today's snowstorm uh, is this is going to severely dampen the celebration of the life well lived of former United States Senator Herb Cole. Senator Cole passed away over the holidays, and uh, the outpouring of support from all of the walks of life in which he traveled, business, philanthropy, politics, community, uh, people with stories, uh, and, and really I think everybody, particularly in Milwaukee, has a story about just encountering the senator along the way and what a wonderful, special, kind, gentle, and decent man Herb Cole was. Um, And so to those who are hoping to celebrate him today, find a way to do so in emulating some of the way that he lived. And I think the most important way that he lived in regards to our politics these days is that Herb Cole was not a politician who was ever looking to get the snappy sound bite or say, look at me or make it about himself. He was unassuming and humble and we need more leaders like Herb Cole these days. Uh, we miss you, Senator, uh, rest in peace, rest in power. And, uh, we know that his memory will bring smiles to people's faces for generations to come. Very nice. Bill McCaution. Yes. I'll second that motion. That was great, Joe. So mine is, directed at voters in the 63rd Assembly District, which is occupied by the Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. This week, a small group of uh, Voss haters decided to take out a recall petition against the Speaker. These folks call themselves Republicans. They call themselves uh, conservatives. For any Republican listening in the second or the 63rd Assembly District, this is a mistake. It is destructive. When we have a circular fighting squad, all the advantage goes to Democrats. All 99 assembly seats will be up in under new maps this year, and half of the Senate will be up under new maps. 
We have a Democratic incumbent U.S. senator at the top of the ticket and a presidential election. The last thing Republicans need to do for the next six months is waste time and money defending the Speaker of the Assembly. Do not sign the recall petition in the 63rd District. It's stupid. Uh, it's self-destructive. And it's time to focus on Democrats, not Republicans. Could not agree more. Gentlemen, mine is the Green Bay Packers. We were playing a playoff game against our old coach and a dreaded rival for many, many decades. We'll go to you first, Joe. What is your prediction for Sunday's battle with the Cowboys? Uh, This season is already a success, and I will believe that even after we fall short against the Cowboys. I just don't think we're there yet, but the fact that this club is going to get playoff experience is a big win going forward. All right. Bill? It's a bonus game. Anything that happened just playing is uh, was never expected at the beginning of the year. I got the Packers in an upset on Sunday. Ooh, Ooh Bill's right. Birthday uh, boy's getting feeling <laughs> his oats. There you go. Well, from your mouth to uh, whatever the football gods are, are listening to today. Gentlemen, we'll do it again next Friday. The Political Power Hour. Stay safe. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Thank you, big voice guy. Yes, we're going to have an update from Adam Roberts, our own Adam Roberts, on all the things related to this winter storm, which is consuming our attention today and probably most of tomorrow. But we got to talk about the Packers because they are playing a big playoff game this Sunday Jerry Dome, Dallas Cowboys, and joining us is our own Greg Matzik. Matzik can hear his great work on Wisconsin Afternoon News. Hi, Greg. Hello. Packers have never lost at AT&T Stadium. Did you know that? <laughs> yes. Fascinating bit of trivia, isn't I, it? I saw one of the greatest games I've ever seen, the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they're up 21-3, and then, then they sort of held on held on to the very end. Hey, I'm telling you, that would be a great script against the Dallas Cowboys oh, yes. on Sunday. Get up, get up early. 21-3, oh, get up yeah. early, try and take the crowd out of it. I think about what happened on Thanksgiving. It's exactly what happened. The Packers got up early. All of a sudden, that crowd was geeked up to be you know, all eyes on us. They were kind of muted. So that's the recipe. If you can get up early, take the crowd out of it a little bit, you got a chance. I like that thought because I've seen the Cowboys play playoff football over the years. They have a tendency to wet the bed. And I looked at their home schedule. They've beaten a lot of cupcake teams, the Commanders, the Jets, teams like that that aren't very good. They've run it up. They've averaged, I think, 38 points a game or whatever it is. Doesn't mean they're not a great football team. They've earned the second seed. But I, I'm not convinced they could. the Packers couldn't do to the Cowboys like they did to the Lions or the Chiefs. I don't think so either. In fact, I've been so impressed with what the defense is able to do against some of the better teams that they've faced in this second half of the season. And I'm sitting here scratching my head over why they can't figure out how to solve the mystery of Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. Like, mm. that doesn't make any sense to that me. That one hurt my feelings. So I don't have a lot of believability in this defense overall, but I cannot ignore what happened against two of the better teams in the league, in the Chiefs and the Lions. And the Lions really stands out because that was a road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Goff doesn't like to be pressured. Dak Prescott's a little more mobile. So I, I don't know any coach that wouldn't like to get up early and, and take an early lead. But I think this is one of those instances where if the Packers win the toss, I think Matt LaFleur is taking the ball. We want this thing. Forget it, right? I, Caution I think, to the win. Let's I think go. Be a great, that would be a great call. I mean, the team is relatively healthy. We're still some questions now because apparently Jair Alexander stepped on somebody yesterday. Um, they're, at least the last time I looked at that story, they, they weren't sure how he felt. Is that a concern? Yes, absolutely. 
I don't know how you get hurt in a walkthrough. I don't know. But that happened yesterday. In fact, coaches <laughs> specifically put in walkthroughs to mm. prevent players from getting injured. And he stepped on somebody's foot, rolled his ankle, and he did not talk to the media yesterday. And we'll see if he's available today. But one thing that the Dallas Cowboys do very well on offense is hit one of the best receivers in all of the NFL. His name is C.D. Lamb, number 88. Get used to seeing that number and hearing that name because he gets about a dozen passes his way, or at least he has over the last five weeks or so. Like the, the, the Dallas is going to find him. They are going to find him on offense. Did Jair play against the Vikings? He did not play against okay, the Vikings. Okay, so they have arguably one of the best receivers, Justin Jefferson. I thought the Packers did a great job. Now their quarterback was challenged. Yeah, that's a big difference there at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But, I mean, that that's the test that you want to see. CeeDee Lamb is an incredible talent. Um, that is the marked difference between the Cowboys and the Packers. Cowboys have Pro Bowl players. They have stars. We don't necessarily have stars. That sometimes works to the advantage of the team that has the, the street cred in, in the playoffs. So here's one thing I found interesting. I was doing a little digging on this. All this talk about the Packers being the youngest team in the NFL and the youngest team in the playoffs, and they are. It's no joke. And the youngest group of skill position players ever assembled for a playoff team. That really stands out. Number two on that list, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I saw that. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, which is scary because they'll be good for a while. Exactly. And I think the big difference is their running back is a polished veteran. So is the Packers running back and Aaron Jones, by mm-hmm. the way. Their receiver, C.D. Lamb, well, he's sort of in the prime of his career. He's still on the rookie contract, but toward the back end of that, and he's an all-pro, and he's 1,700 yards receiving, which is ridiculous. They will go to him. they got a good tight end. Did you know he was Barry Alvarez's grandson, Jake Ferguson? Yeah, yeah. Might hear that a time or two. So they've just got players who have been in the league a little bit longer, a little more experienced, but also still young. So I, I don't think the stage will be too big for either team. I think what Jordan Love has done with this offense in challenging environments in a national spotlight has been impressive. I don't find his demeanor to be any different, regardless of the situation. Greg Matzik joining us on WTMJ Now. One of the things I love about this game is Jordan Love has watched Aaron Rodgers beat the Cowboys there. Aaron Jones has beaten the Cowboys there. I love the fact that he is playing at the as, as good as he's played in a while, he's apparently healthy now, and he's a guy who said as late as yesterday, I'm on the up uptrend. He's not past his prime. He's not past his peak. This is a guy that really wants to win now. No doubt about that. I think if, if you watched the game last week, some of the TV broadcast uh, nuggets on Aaron Jones, I thought were really interesting, including that Aaron Jones had reached on one of his runs his top speed. Is that crazy? Ever. Ever as and, a running back, he's twenty nine. Up to the speed of some of the fastest players in the NFL, by the way. We don't think about Aaron Aaron Jones that way. He's a guy that breaks tackles. He does he does bust through the line and get extra yards. But I never thought of him as a really fast running back. No, he definitely is. And one thing to note about Aaron Jones, I think if you've watched him play over the years, boy, how many times is he really taking a jaw dropping hit? Right. I mean, yeah. he always seems to find a way to just sort of elude a, a defender enough to where yeah. that hit doesn't. He might come down. But it doesn't look as severe or violent. It's part of why he's still in really great game shape. I'm going to ask the fans of the show uh, this question in a little bit. Who is going to be the star of the game? 
Let's stay away from the quarterbacks because they they always get all the attention. Who's the star of the game for the Packers or even for the Cowboys? Who will be Ceedee Lamb's an easy choice. Right? Ceedee Lamb is an easy choice, and Micah Parsons stands out. That guy freaks me out. So yeah. he's he's the best defensive player, one of the best in all of football. Like he's up there with T.J. Watt and some of the best names you can think of. Had 14 sacks this year. What's scary about him is that you have no idea where he's going to be. Because he could be in the middle of the field guarding a tight end. <laughs> he moves or around a wide receiver. Yeah. Or he could be lined up uh, over a tackle. He is just so fast and so violent. He's kind of built like the Packers linebacker, Quay Walker. Uh, a little more size to him. I'd love to see Quay Walker used that way. But he is a game-wrecking talent on defense. That is frightening to me. He's got the capability of taking over a game on defense. He'll be the best defensive player, I think, on the field. Micah Parsons. Remember that name. For the Packers, can I can I do a collective approach here? Sure. Because if I if I avoid Aaron Jones, because that's also low hanging fruit, I, I have to draw my mind to what has worked for the Packers it, with this resurgence of the offense, and that's been a collective approach. It's been four balls to Jaden Reed. It's been three balls to Dontavian Wicks. It's been six balls to Bo Melton, and then the next game you flip it. It's six balls to Dontavian Wicks, five balls to Jaden Reed, and three balls to Bo Melton. It's a, it's actually a small sample size, but that collective idea makes it really hard for a defense to focus on one or the other. You got the ball melt and you got the read, you got the wicks, you got the, the, the tight ends. Who are you covering? And I know they have a great secondary, but there's a lot of guys that are going to be open if Jordan Love has time, and that's where the Michael Parkinson things comes into play. He can find these guys, and they have demonstrated over and over again, not only can they catch, they'll take a tough hit and hold on to the ball. That's an impressive collection of young receivers. And just think about how open these receivers have been. Uh, you know, gone are the days of the back shoulder fade. You're right. Right? When Jordy Nelson wasn't able to beat guys deep, they would run stop routes. And Aaron Rodgers had incredible timing with Jordy Nelson. That is all but gone from the Packers' offense. It does not exist anymore. Guys are more open in space. And that's a credit to Matt LaFleur's offense for getting these guys in, in favorable matchups. You think... Matt LaFleur's comfortability with Jordan Love and his understanding that this quarterback, this young quarterback, who's been on the team for a while, but is just playing as a starter his first year, he's comfortable enough to let him do that. Yes, and here's why. There's been a very seismic shift in how this Packers offense is run. And I think it was the first Vikings game where I remember watching that game thinking, what are they doing here? A little check down to the running back, check down to the tight end, nothing downfield at that time. There seemed to be very little connection between Jordan Love and the young receivers. You'd see two receivers in the same spot. Like, nothing looked right. Nothing looked like you'd want it to look if you're a coach. Well, that was sort of an inflection point. After that game, Matt LaFleur decided, we're taking the training wheels off. We cannot just be this young team that is afraid to put good, talented players in difficult positions. That's how you grow. From that point on, this offense took flight. This now looks like a creative offense that is capable of Going 80 yards in just a couple of minutes, they can run the ball. The offensive line is solidified a little bit here, I think. It's it's not the best it's ever been my years covering and paying attention to the Packers, but I think it's a lot better than what it was at the start of the year. So the training wheels are off of this offense, and if they keep on with that sort of philosophy, they're going to score some points. Question is, can they keep Dallas off the scoreboard enough? 3.30 Sunday. What's your go-to app on your uh, viewing? Are you going to be watching it at home? Yeah, I'll be what, at home. What's the go-to time. app that you you got to have on Sunday for the game? <sighs> I like to get creative, and I like to do something that is sort of 
indicative of of the away team's market. So what, what is that? Maybe a little Southern barbecue, maybe a little uh, yeah. Texas barbecue. I know you're a big grill guy and smoker and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be tending to the Traeger on <laughs> no, on Sunday. Probably not the best weekend. Maybe for not today. <laughs> I know it feels like a good chilly day. Maybe <laughs> we'll uh, maybe we'll get some ribs going, but. Uh, Hey, the oven also works pretty well. We might fire that up. All right, Greg Matz, you can hear him this afternoon. Wisconsin's Afternoon News, always great to talk to you, Greg. See you, pal. All right, after the break, Adam Roberts, a full storm, winter storm warning update from the one, the only Adam Roberts after this on WTMJ Now. snowing yes we all know that now if you haven't opened your window or your drapes or your curtains or your whatever it is snowing outside joining us is adam roberts you can hear him in the mornings on wisconsin morning news good morning adam good morning you could have fooled me i haven't looked out a window since i got in here <laughs> yeah we don't see the outside so it, there, it could be you know sunshine i wouldn't have any idea but i, I do have this radar that is is i gotta be honest adam, it's got as much snow as i've ever seen on that radar there's literally only a couple little spots that don't have snow so that lull that all the meteorologists yeah. were talking no. about this morning. It did exist. It, I saw it with my own You saw eyes. a low? I did. And then on our WTMJ interactive radar, which you can see at WTMJ.com, nice. that shut down quickly. The moisture came up from the state border, and it is all white on the radar now. So I wanted to give uh, our fans, listeners, a chance to kind of get the latest. We're going to do this again in the 11 o'clock hour, but uh, we'll, we'll certainly talk about traffic. But right now, the, the predictions are... I think pretty consistent. We're going to see in this part of the states and probably northern Illinois as well, anywhere from like six to twelve inches of snow, somewhere in that in that wheelhouse. That seems to be uh, what they're sticking with. Um, I know that we've heard a lot, and you and I were kind of talking about this before we went on air. A lot of the local meteorologists really hanging on to that area around the lake could see some change. I'm looking at it just the same as you are. It hasn't happened yet. No. And we have seen a lot. A lot of the early reports are starting to come in. We got three and a half inches in Franklin, Wales, Wisconsin, Waukesha County already multiple, like four or five inches out there. And no change over yet, but they're still kind of holding on to that eight to 12. There's that strip if you're about four or five miles inland from Lake Michigan where this evening when the real brunt of this is going to hit that we could see lake enhancement for the first time this winter. And they're talking 11, 12, 13 inches. For the folks who haven't been watching the endless uh, TV updates on the, on, the, on the locals about the weather, what's the duration of this thing and what might today look like versus tomorrow? I know there's a wind component to this. Absolutely. And it's something that, you know, the sexy thing to talk about is snow and how much we're going to get. And with a snowstorm, that's what, sh- that's what gets the headlines. But people forget there are going to be very strong winds with this on the back end especially. So we're looking at about mid-afternoon into the evening Right now, I'm still seeing gusts between 40 and 50 miles per hour, which kind of puts you right on that threshold with snow. We've heard WTMG meteorologist Craig Copleen talk about it, of the B-word blizzard. And so that's definitely going to hit. And then as we get into Saturday, the story goes from snow and wind to bitter cold. And we've touched on it. But if you haven't seen lately, these wind chills, while not like we had a few years ago when we hit 60 below, I remember that in lacrosse, we're going to be about 25 to 35 below zero. and Which, which we haven't seen in a long time. No. Yeah. 
Um, so for driving, we certainly want to have a traffic component. What are we hearing from folks who are, are on the local roadways and on the interstates? Well, the good news is, and we had this in the 10 o'clock news, it looks like that closure on 43 North, which was about a two-and-a-half-hour-long situation near Highway 57, that has cleared up. But obviously, as snow has not stopped, even with the crews out working, We've got, uh, looks like a, one of the cameras on 94 right yeah, now. Springdale and, Road, it's snow-covered, mm-hmm. but traffic's moving, but you can definitely, there's a lot of snow on the road. Right. Now, we do ha- we did have earlier in the morning, and it still is a situation in the zoo interchange um, in West Allis and Milwaukee, Wauwatosa area, where at about 7.30 this morning, I you saw, saw my I post. Saw, yes. They were stalled and walking out. Please do not get out of your car if it stalls. Please do not walk onto a freeway on-ramp either. I can't stress that enough. Yeah, and the individual, I was I was coming north on 43, and I was making the turn at the, I think it's the Mitchell Curve, and there was somebody who had a flat tire, was out of the vehicle in that in that narrow area where you're, you're making the, the turn first east and then north, changing a flat tire, legs sticking out. I mean, you cannot do that in this weather. Wait for someone to respond to you. Certainly call uh, a, a local uh a tow truck driver, let them get you off the freeway. Don't don't be walking around on the freeway, especially in this. We're getting pictures in, too. Also, the uh, WTMJ talk and text line from fans who are out and about. Thank you all for that. Something else, Steve, to keep in mind, and we've touched on it a little this morning. We've reached out to We Energies in the newsroom. Because there's power outages already with this thing. We were flirting with 30,000 customers early, didn't quite hit that point. Right now, the latest check of the outage map, there's about 25,000 customers, over 200 separate outages around southeast Wisconsin, and it's not even 1030 yet. Yeah, the snow is heavy at the moment. There is some talk that it's going to lighten, but that doesn't matter. If if the branches are weighted down, they will take down power lines. And given the the inability to move around easily, this could be, if you have a power outage, it might be a while. So hopefully you did stock up on all the things your family needs to get through this. Uh, Adam, we'll do this again in the 11 o'clock hour or as needed, certainly on the traffic side of things. I appreciate the update. Not a problem. Adam Roberts giving us the latest on the weather and the traffic here on WTMJ. I I mentioned this earlier on the program. Um, I want to get your thoughts as well on the Packers game Sunday. It's kind of a fun thing we're going to do. I'm going to do some other stuff as well. ESPN, crazy story with ESPN. They faked names and submitted entries into the uh, Emmys Awards and won awards, multiple awards, for people that either didn't exist or were sh- or should have been in- ineligible. So we're going to have some fun in the next half hour. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ Now. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Oh, uh, yeah, green and yellow, full display on Sunday if you have a Packers thought, 855-616-1620. I actually made it my show poll today. So we weren't in the playoffs last year, we being the Green Bay Packers fans and team and organization. Uh, horrible ending to the last, actually the last three years, they lost their last game at Lambeau, which is frustrating and upsetting. Uh, and then the scenario flipped last week with the big win over the Bears at Lambeau Field, a game I attended, and uh, it, was, it was just a great football game as a fan of, of football. So it's sort of returned to normal, at least normal for Packers fans, not for like teams like the Bears or the Vikings, but we're used to being in the playoffs at least for the last 30 years or so with the likes of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and now hopefully Jordan Love. So I asked this simple question. If you're not on X, which is a good life decision, uh, you can certainly weigh in, in on the uh, WTMJ talking text line, 855-616-1620. What's your prediction for the game? So I gave you some easy choices, right? Packers win, duh. 50% of the uh, 
Now 209 votes. Well done, you. I just just started talking about this. Uh, 50% say Packers will win. Dallas wins 43%. And there's always this group. And I'm amazed by these people who, like, and the, the word or the phraseology that I use is what else is on. They, they don't care about NFL football. They have other interests, other likes, which is fine. But when you live in a state like Wisconsin or you, um, well, let's just leave it at that. If you live in a state like Wisconsin, just like you should know about what's going on in other things unrelated to football, like, uh, you know, concerts or the arts culture stuff, Shouldn't y'all? Shouldn't those people also know about the sports side of things? Shouldn't there be that mutual agreement to understand both sides? I was fascinated by that, and that's exactly what you'd expect. About four percent of the population, at least on this unscientific poll, saying what else is on. Greg and I were talking about this in the, in the previous segment. I would be surprised if the Packers won, but I, I, there's no reason they can't win. They're the underdog. Underdogs win all the time in the NFL, including in the playoffs. By the way. So, yes, there's a there's a possibility. Do I expect it? No. This is all playoffs gravy for Packers fans because we didn't get there last year. You think the Bears don't envy us, the Bears fans? You think the Vikings fans don't envy us? They're not even relevant in the playoff conversation this year. This is a Packers team that, as Greg said, and so are the Cowboys, some of the youngest teams in the NFL. Packers are the youngest. For them to achieve this with a first-year starting quarterback? Are you kidding me? That's a great story. And that's one of the reasons I'll be watching on Sunday, at least the first half, because then my wife and I are attending Funny Girl at the Marcus Center on Sunday night. So we shall see. So weigh in, if you want, 855-616-1620 on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line, or I'd certainly welcome a call I'm going to talk about an ESPN story next, but we can weave in some Packers conversation as well. Amazing story about cheating. And is this the ESPN brand now, I guess, is the question. Because they've done it for, the story says, 13 years. Cheating on Emmy Awards to kind of make their talent feel better about themselves. I actually feel bad for the talent because they didn't know this was happening. A sports-related story, but certainly Packers are on our mind, as is the weather and traffic, we'll keep you updated on that as well as we're moving through this snowy Friday on WTMJ. I asked Greg this question when he joined me at the start of the uh, 10 o'clock hour, who, who the stars of the game, and he, he gave some great answers, and his answer for the Packers was the sort of collective young receiving core, and I, I can't disagree. One of the great challenges for the Cowboys will be to to cover all these people because they've all shown an ability to get open, Oh my, my goodness, Bo Melton, who wasn't even on the team in the first half of the season, had the only 100-yard game. And uh, he has shown ability to get open and catch the ball, And as has Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed and the Christian Watson if he's coming back. And I, I have no prediction on whether that's going to be the case. And all their great tight ends. Um, it, it is a pretty exciting time again in a season where we didn't know what was going to happen. And we said this at the beginning, we didn't know what was going to happen here. To see this team go to Dallas and maybe pull the upset. Not guaranteeing that. But this team has had a lot of success, albeit with Aaron Rodgers, going to Dallas and playing. Um, a few texts, and then we'll get to the story that from uh, ESPN, which I think is a an indictment of that network. Uh, the Packers might have trouble getting out of Green Bay as well because the National Weather Service up there had issued genuine blizzard warnings for Lambeau and surrounds. Yeah, that's a question. I think they leave tomorrow. 
So uh, they're going to have some challenges. Obviously, hopefully, those conditions will improve enough to get the team out. And trust me, they'll get there. Um, this one from the nine two zero. Hopefully, the Packers win. Will win, but if they don't, they at least got in the playoffs with the youngest team. And then another texture says Dallas wins. Well, that's that's the easy pick, right? They're, I think they're seven and a half or eight point favorites. That's pretty much what you're going to get, right? Generally, those uh, people that set those odds, set those spreads, know what they're doing. Um, this story from ESPN is amazing to me. Here's the headline. I got it from the New York Post, but it's all over the place. ESPN operating a 13-year Emmy scheme using fake names to get awards for their top talents. So Emmy Awards honor significant talents on television, right? But they have rules. And they, you know the, the statue's famous, and uh, I've seen a few of these uh, from people that I know that have won Emmys. Well, apparently, since 2010, ESPN, the network, have been submitting fake individuals' names... Although it's it's weird. They used the same initials as the star they were trying to honor who wasn't eligible to win, but they used these fake names. And then they would win these awards and then re-engrave the statues and then deliver them to the on-air personalities who weren't eligible to win the award in the first place. And the shows that it impacted, the people it impacted, are well-known, including those who work on college game day. And according to the story I'm reading at New York Post... The hosts were not eligible to be honored for a Best Show Award until 2023 because there are separate categories for individual awards. People like Lee Corso, fake name Lee Clark, Kirk Herbstreet, Kirk Henry, Chris Fowler, Chris Fulton, Desmond Howard, Dirk Howard, Tom Rinaldi, Tim Richard, Samantha Ponder, Stephen Ponder. They all got Emmys. They didn't qualify to win. And the sad part of the story is they had to Return them. And one of the talent, Shelly Smith, had to give up two Emmys. And she said, I think it was really crummy what they did to me and others. Yeah, you think? Another stain on ESPN. And that is that is a serious, serious ethical mistake. And something that they should have known better. Earl joins us from the north, northwest side. Let's talk some Packers. Earl? Welcome. Look, while, while people are fantasizing, welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you. While, right. while people are fantasizing <laughs> in with this game, come on, Earl. Uh, never. <laughs> uh, well, here's where. Well, here's where people forget. The Packers' last four games were against horrible, horrible teams. They look very dominating against the teams that they should have beaten. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. Jordan Love is a good quarterback, but he was able to look like a great quarterback because the teams they played against, pretty weak defenses. There was no pressure. He was able to stand in the pocket. The wide receivers were wide open. They're playing the fifth best defensive team in football. They're playing at at Dallas where Dallas has not lost the game. Let's not get so carried away (laughs) with emotion and not use some common sense. Now, Earl, you are smart enough to know that emotion is a big part of being a fan. You have to have that emotion. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a fan. Well, well, yeah, it's true. But the truth of the matter is there's going to be pressure, and he's not going to be able to stand in the pocket and survey the field and see, you know, who's open. He's going to be under tremendous pressure. The other thing is the Packers' offensive line is going to be under tremendous pressure. 
Mm-hmm. So you know, it's going to be a, a, a you know good game. But anybody who thinks that the Packers are going to win, I didn't say it's not possible, right? It, nothing is possible. nothing is impossible when it comes to sports. A lot it's of crazy things likely. happen. Absolutely, it's clearly not likely. All right, we'll see, Earl. If if you're uh, wrong, you got to call back next week then. All right, Earl. We let Earl go. Yeah, I look. I'm not. I'm not pessimistic because this is gravy playoff football. This is a bonus. I think Texas is going to pour some. Texas from Florida is going to pour some. Whatever on our parade, rain. Tex. Hey, Tex. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, number one. To be fair, let me say I am a Cowboys fan. Oh. I am a Packers hater. Really. But, that doesn't cost. But I would tell you why. But I both I picked it to be about twenty four to twenty. I think seven and a half is too many. That's a close game. And the reason I I'm not having the Cowboys win by a lot is uh, this year that two and five against the spread versus a playoff teams mm-hmm. the minus one hundred twenty three net yards in the games on an average. And since ninety seven, they're four and twelve against the spread in the playoffs. But why I do like the Cowboys. Um. They're number two in offensive yards for the year. Packers are tw- defense is twenty. Cowboys are number two in the third down offense. Packers are number twenty-five. And what I do like is that the uh, the Cowboys have the fifth hardest schedule of the year. The Packers have a lowly twenty-seven. And if you look at their home schedule, they had an easy schedule. But Tex, I got to ask you this because I, I don't want to do a sports show. But your name is Tex. Is that why you're a Cowboys fan? <laughs> no, I got my name Tex because I was a Cowboys fan. The place oh. I started working at okay. back in high school because I always had the Dale's Cowboys shirts on all that. They started right. calling me Tex, and some people know me as no other name. All right. Well, Tex, if, you enjoy the snow. if the, uh, yeah, yeah, well, well, I don't know if we're going to enjoy it, but we're going to certainly deal with it. If the Packers win, you call back next week, we'll talk about it. All right. Tex calling from the great state of Florida, home of Ron DeSantis. Governor, candidate for... See, I'm weaving it all in, the politics and, and everything else. All right. Lots to talk about. We're going to keep you posted on the traffic. I'm watching the monitor. There's a lot of snow on the interstate. I'll tell you that right now. The monitor that we have that's looking at the uh, satellites, it's all snow. There's there, there might be a break west of Dodgeville, little bits, but I don't even know that if that's still happening. It is a lot of snow. We're going to get a lot of snow. we got a high wind situation to deal with. If you have any updates on the road, if you're traveling and listening, riding, driving and listening, uh, give me those updates and we'll uh, certainly push them out there for you, especially with any uh, spin-outs or problems on the roadway. Uh, let us know here at WTMJ. We'll take another quick break here. Talking a little Packers. Head Greg Matzik from Wisconsin's Afternoon News joining us earlier this, this hour, 10 o'clock hour on WTMJ. We're listening, or we're watching, rather, the the storm and I just saw this banner. Every U.S. state in the country is under a weather alert right now. That's a, that's a significant weather event. Whether it's frigid temperatures, high winds, some storms down south, rainstorms, windstorms, and uh, certainly the blizzard conditions that may be coming to the uh, Midwest. We're all kind of uh, hunkering down, as they say. And, and I, I, it's kind of a cliche, but if you don't have to be out on the roadways, don't go out. After the show, I'm going to be heading home. And I'm not going to really go anywhere until I have to. Uh, somebody asked me the question. I'm going to get to the phones. Um, how can you possibly miss the game for a play? Well, I'm only missing half the game. 
And it's the last performance of Funny Girl that was my wife's one of my wife's Christmas presents. So we can deal with that. And we can certainly watch the game, which we do anyway. We usually rewatch the games that we go to or listen to uh, later. Just because when they win, you want to celebrate it again. Mike joins us. Hey, Mike. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you on the roads? And if if so, how are they? I am. Where are you at? Um, what do they look County, like? Uh, you know, just south of the border. Um, I was all the way in Octavia this morning. Um, we've gotten a little bit of uh, lighter snow in the morning. It was terrible. The main roads are clear. The problem comes in is when you want to make a turn on a side street and the plows have plowed it, and obviously it's uh, higher up and, um, you know, thicker. Um, that's been my only problem. Um, I have gotten a little bit stuck, but got my way out of it uh, just by kind of backing up and then going forward again. Um, no complaints. Um, and regarding the Packers, I really hope they win. Um, you know, the Bears are out of it, uh, and, you know, you're going to the play, but the second half is obviously the most important. So um, hopefully uh, they pull it out. For some reason, though, I'm getting, like, flashbacks of uh, – I think it was the uh, 95 season. Oh, you know, when, yeah, yeah. We all we all know what that looked like. Yeah, with Brett Favre, six interceptions. Yeah, it was uh, – but obviously the next year they won the Super Bowl, so it could be, uh, you know, something different. But either way, uh, go Pack, and um, hopefully you have something – hopefully you have a victory Monday. All right. Well, either way, we'll talk about it. Thanks for the call from Mike. We've got one more break to take, and we'll uh, wrap up the 10 o'clock hour. We'll start the 11 o'clock with the – as we always do with Libby Collins, and another update from Adam Roberts on the weather, the traffic – and everything else swirling around the big storm that's hitting the uh, the entire country this weekend as we celebrate the start of the NFL playoffs, including the Green Bay Packers playoffs, at 3.30 on Sunday. Getting some reports on the uh, WTMJ talking text line, Jackknife Semi on southbound 41 just north of Highway Q, so uh, pay attention to that. That's uh, going to be a common story. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, I-94 Springdale Road, and we'll, we'll probably flip this in a little bit, but there's a lot of snow on the interstates, on the roads, uh, so definitely, as one of the texters reminds us, turn your headlights on, clean off your headlights, uh, windshield wipers are key. Um, the other thing that I've seen some crazy examples of this, when you're taking your car that's been sitting and is covered with like, you know, an inch or more of snow, get all the snow off, especially when we're talking about some of the inch, inches that we may get in the next two days. Don't be driving around with just the window area clean and then like, you know, six or eight inches of snow piled on. If that all comes flying off your car and sometimes has ice in it and it, and it can, you know, ruin someone's day and maybe, you know, wreck, wreck a vehicle in the process. So please make sure you get all the snow and ice off your car. Uh, one of the things that we want to advise people is to, if you don't have to go out, don't go out today. I understand people want to do stuff and you want to go shopping, and, and most of the things are starting to be canceled, and uh, I'm sure we'll have updates on all of that throughout the next hour and throughout the day here on WTMJ. We'll, we're going to start the 11 o'clock hour the way we always do with Libby Collins featuring her Sunday conversations, which is a really good one this week. They're all good, but this one's really good. And then Adam Roberts, Adam Roberts will rejoin us, and we'll talk about all the traffic and weather updates that, that he's hearing about and that you're seeing uh, a couple of textures weighing in. Snow's tapering off a bit in East Troy. That's just a uh, a lull, potentially. I can't see East Troy on this map specifically, but there's snow everywhere. There's a few spots that have uh, open patches, but it's not much. And I, the big fear, of course, is the not only the snow, but the high winds that may move a lot of that snow around, which makes uh, driving and just getting around very treacherous. So be safe out there. 
We'll continue to monitor that throughout the day here on WTMJ. So Libby Collins after the break. Our regular features, Week in Review will be in there. And we'll mix in some other fun stuff. Certainly time for your Packers comments as well. I, I want to update the marijuana story that I talked about the other day because there's been all this conversation. Speaker Robin Voss alluded to it when he's on the show a few weeks ago. We're going to do, he said, paraphrasing, we're going to do municipal marijuana. Even in the Republican circles, there's a lot of um, disagreement on that, including the one I said would be a, a troublemaker, which is the idea of state-run dispensaries. Well, there's some comments that are uh, that are updating that story uh, on that issue, which, again, I'll say it over and over again. I do say it over and over again. Medicinal marijuana should have happened five years ago. There's no reason why it shouldn't. And we can argue about recreational till the sun comes down or the sun comes out or the sun goes down. It doesn't matter. Medicinal marijuana helps people. And for me, the big factor is this. We are seeing so many Wisconsinites leave the state, buy what they want, and bring it back. That's already happening. It's not being enforced, the rules, in the state that does not have legal, medicinal, or recreational. So what are we doing here? All of that coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Latest updates from Connie Weber coming up next. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ Now Snowstorm Edition. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. And happy snowy Friday to all of you out there. We will have uh, a full update, another 15 minutes or so, from Adam Roberts on the uh, traffic situation. As uh, Connie Weber just said, Jackknife Semi, southbound 41, Lannan Road area. So be careful out there. Find an alternate method. I guess the best advice is to stay off the roads, stay out of your cars if you don't have to get anywhere. And that's probably going to be the case for the next 24 hours or so as we kind of wind through this storm and the snowstorm and the storm team alerts and the high wind that's going to come after that. All right. We do this every Friday. I always look forward to the conversations. The one, the only Libby Collins joins us. Hi, Libby Collins. Hey there. It is a good day to stay in. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I you don't love want to be out on the road. <laughs> no. And I love your conversations. And as long as we're sitting here talking about staying at home, all of your conversations are your older conversations are available at WTMJ.com. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just yes. go there. And you know, on a day like this, it's a good one to kind of sit and listen. And some of the people we've talked to are some of the most interesting people throughout southeastern Wisconsin. And this week's guest is. A significant one. It's it's a, it's an amazing story. It's a sad story, moving story. Tell us about it. Well, I have to tell you, um, of all the people I've spoken with, this was one of the most difficult because of the emotions involved. Go back to May 26th of 2022, and I know on a day like this it's hard to conceive. It was a beautiful uh, early summer, late spring day, sun was shining, everything was clear. And there was a young man who was from Brookfield, um, 18-year-old Daniel Perelman, and he was a student at Northwestern University, and he came in early. He came in early for the weekend on a Thursday because he had a love of flying, and he came to see his parents, and, um, well, we'll get into what happened that day. But the thing is, we talked with his mom, who's a doctor, his dad, his sister, about Daniel himself and what kind of a 
young man he was. Was there something special about Daniel? Was there anything that you picked up and said, this kid has so much potential? For every parent, I think their kid is the whole world and something special. He was very bright. I kept saying to my friends, he was always keeping us on our toes, always trying new things, always exploring. And then as he grew up, he skipped fourth grade. He skipped from third to fifth. We thought maybe he should, but the school approached us and said, you know, we think maybe he's bored. And this skipping grade worked great for him, right? It matched his development better, hanging with kids who were a year older. Um, at that age specifically, he was tiny. He was always the smallest. Really? Because in this age, one year difference, it shows. But everything builds your character. I think it made him feisty. And it, you probably noticed uh, that Benny Powerman has a bit of an accent in this because Daniel's parents, Anna and Benny, had emigrated from Israel. And in Israel, as I said before, Anna was a doctor and, of course, in that region, she had dealt with a lot of trauma cases, and she understood um, what happens to people in very serious injuries. And we get to the point where we talked about that day, May 26th, where when Daniel had come home and he got a hold of his mom and dad, and you know they, they went to Timmerman Airport with him to watch him, he was a new pilot, to watch him take off and land. It was sort of one of these routine things that you did. And obviously, on a very clear day, they didn't suspect anything was going to happen. So Benny tells us about watching Daniel go up in that plane. Can you tell us what that day was like? He never knew if he's coming because he didn't know if how's the weather, if there is a plane available. And then he said, hey, my plane is available for solo, so I'm going to drive over. So I met him at home. And then he was planning just to take the car and drive. And I said, you know what? I have nothing until the end of the day. Let me take you. And on the way, we call Anna. And she said, hey, I'm done with clinic early. I can meet you there. He went to the plane. He walks to the plane. He does the check. Taxied. And we were just standing behind the fence. And he gives us a thumbs up. And then he took off. Then he landed and took off again. And... As he was taking off again, I had he installed some flight tracker application on my phone. The first thing I noticed on the tracker application that the marker of, of his plane doesn't progress at the same rate as it was. I looked up and the plane goes down. We chased the ambulance like crazy and then was the nightmare of the next day and a half where we deep inside, I think, knew that nobody survives this. Maybe I can't even imagine what that felt like. And, and for him to describe it as Father Benny, that, that is an amazing, amazing story. Well, and you'll have to listen on, on Sunday because Anna, uh, Daniel's mother, again, as I said, she was an emergency room physician. She knew what trauma was like, and she was the first one on the scene. She got there even before her husband and could see what the injuries were. And although Daniel survived the initial crash, she knew the inevitability of this injury and what was going to happen. And, you know, I, ha I had the honor of talking to all three of the members of the Perelman family, both Anna and Benny, and, and, and Daniel's sister, Lola, who's just a teenager. She's a student at Brookfield West. And, you know, out of tragedy often good things come. And Benny and Lola 
told me about a foundation that they have established in Daniel's memory. We started this organization, this nonprofit, Daniel Gives Back. So we have the blood drives. Lots of people came to us afterwards, lots of people, and said, thank you. We were afraid of donating blood for our entire lives. We just wanted to do it for this good cause, and now they became regular donors. Almost everybody at the school blood drives are first-time donors because it's like targeted towards my high school community. We've made a couple partnerships with other organizations. We've partnered with the organization Student Organ Donation Advocates. I started a chapter of SOTA this year. We actually had about 84 people sign up for the club because people know that it's kind of for like a good purpose. I love that they are doing something, uh, paying it forward like that and honoring their son, Daniel. I mean, the, the sister, and uh, she she talked a little bit there, Lola. It is it is something simple, but it's something that is so important. You know, I've even struggled with you know the idea of donating blood, and, and it's, frankly, I've finally overcome that. But everyone should be doing that, and everyone that, that hears this story should take that as a, a reminder that little things can actually do big things. Undoubtedly. And although it is a riveting story, it's an emotional story. There is something that positive, something very positive that has come from it. But uh, I'll tell you, this was one of the more difficult interviews I've ever done just because of the emotions that that um, the family experienced again as they told the story and they were so open about it. Um, it's going to be on Sunday on Conversations at a at 11 o'clock, and it's one of those stories that you probably remember it, but you don't know what happened behind the scenes, and we have that. Outstanding work, as always. Libby Collins, I'll be looking forward to that conversation. As you can hear also as the host of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Thanks for doing that. That is an incredible story that I will be paying attention to. Thank you, Steve. Get your galoshes on. There's a lot of <laughs> snow out there today. As soon as I'm off the air and get home safely, I will be doing that very thing. Thank you, Libby Collins. Take care. All right, after the break, Adam Roberts, our own Adam Roberts, will give us a full update on the traffic and weather related to this uh, big snow events and wind events here happening in Wisconsin. That's next. Oh, I love the music. Man, big band on this snowy Friday. Adam, Ro- Adam Roberts joining me in studio. We're going to keep you posted and updated, and we're going to do that very thing. So we got traffic and weather going on, lots of changes, lots of uh, traffic happening out there. Oh, yeah, Steve. I've got the traffic map up right now. You heard Connie in the, 10 o'clock, uh, the 11 o'clock news, excuse me, mention 4145 southbound. Now, the map I'm looking at at Lannan Road is showing that we have a freeway closure heading uh, south, and it looks like... Those backups extending towards where it splits, you know, near the Cabela's by West Bend. That was a trucks and a spin-out, so that's going to be a while, I'm guessing. Yeah, right now, the video footage I have from the DOT, I mean, first and foremost, it's hard to see anything. Right. I can see the red and the blue of the squads, and that's about it. So if you are headed uh, towards Menominee Falls, trying to get into northwest Milwaukee County, it's going to be, I mean... Surprise, slow going. One of the things I'm hearing from uh, folks on the uh, WTMJ talking text line is it's uh, like whiteout conditions in certain places, lots of snow on the roadways. That's not going to change in the next 24 hours. There, there's snow everywhere, especially the, some of the side roads have barely been plowed. And when you throw in, by the way, I'm just looking at the wind chart for the next eight hours, 30-plus mile-per-hour winds they are going to add to all this uh, chaos. Yeah, to your point, Steve, anecdotally, we've heard from some of our WTMJ teammates that are coming into the building still this morning today. They've been uh, having some very long commute times, and a lot of those side streets just... 
Fair warning, they are going to be secondary in nature for the plows. Right now, the freeway system is going to take precedence. So even if you're not planning on making a long trip today, if you're just in your own community wanting to run errands, those side streets and getting just on to the main drags is going to be difficult. Here's my debate. So I'm going to be done in roughly uh, 40 minutes. Okay. And I'm not doing anything after the show today. I'm just going to get home because we're going to have to start clearing our driveway and stuff. Should I side road? I've I got about 15 miles. Side road or freeway? So Oak Creek, mm-hmm. um, let's see, real-time southbound roads. Remember, there is still that sliver that might have that mixture. And right now, if there was a place for you, Steve, to ride down, if you're looking at 794 and then the Highway 32, honestly, that's the one spot on the map right now that's crystal green. Hmm, 794, 30, that works for me. So yeah. maybe that's my route. All right, so we were talking before you started. Um, there's some updates on maybe snow totals as well. Right, and yet now we have multiple different outlets that are going to make their own predictions. What we have been hearing is that still 8 to 11, but now we are starting to see as we approach 1130 and that mixture really has not kicked into this point, and then the lull, like we mentioned earlier, that got filled in. It is looking like most of this region will be in double digits, and I think most of the meteorologists are starting to make that trend up. As we were talking about the jackknife truck uh, truck driver, I, th- I think, I assume, w- uh, weighed in and said, people have to understand, if you're trying to pass a truck, you go in front of the truck and immediately slow down, that's going to cause a problem for a big semi when it's slippery, when there's snow, and you're not giving them enough time to react to it. So I think everybody's got to be really careful about trying to drive too fast today. Now, another thing, Steve, that I want to touch on while we have a moment, our own WTMJ Sandy Max was at Mitchell a little while, you heard her report in the 11 o'clock as well, talking with some of the people who are at the airport. It's not a super busy day for obvious reasons, but those that are there are definitely encountering issues. We've seen, we have the travel board here up on my computer, cancellations all over the place. I did talk with Harold Mester from the airport earlier this morning, and he said unless something changes, they are planning on staying open. We're remaining open throughout the storm. And uh, we'll just have some brief intermittent closures of our active runway to clear and treat it. But other than that, uh, we're, we're remaining open. And for what it's worth, three flights out of Mitchell to Dallas, one on-time departure, one cancellation, and one whose time of departure has changed. I'm, I'm wondering about that because the Packers, are, I think, are scheduled to fly out tomorrow. They should be okay because they're flying out of Green Bay, and that's a charter. But um, for folks who are trying to get to the game, there's a lot I've, I've been texted by people that, that are trying to get there that could be a little tricky absolutely and of course we saw with the winter warm-up cancellation yesterday getting in was going to be difficult getting out is going to be difficult road air train doesn't matter it's going to be a mess uh somebody asked this on a text line so i'll ask you i, I don't mm-hmm. know the answer the duration of this event what are we looking at as far as when We'll see the roads cleared, maybe the wind dies down, and things sort of get back to normal. So everything that we have seen in the newsroom indicates that this duration takes it into the overnight tonight and into the morning tomorrow. Now, even once the snow stops and we start to see things clear tomorrow morning, and then, of course, you've got wind and cold temperatures, but past that, 
roads are still going to need time to get cleared. It's not just going to magically suddenly be 8 a.m., the snow stops, and it's all going to be free and clear. You need to give road crews time to work and do their jobs. Yeah, so stay off the roads. Um, a lot of a lot of texters, I've, I've probably seen this a dozen times already, turn on your headlights. Yep. A lot of the older vehicles don't have that automatic feature when it gets a little darker or it's overcast. Make sure that happens. And then my word of advice you probably want to make sure your your sidewalks and your driveway are as, and your cars, if they're outside, are as cleaned up as possible. Because when that cold weather comes, which is going to be really cold, that's all going to be frozen ice. Absolutely. And I feel personally spoken to. <laughs> I live in Milwaukee's River West neighborhood. Our sidewalk, free and clear this morning when I came into work. Can't say the same for some other people. Yeah, so make sure you do the work now while it's still fairly comfortable, although we could argue about the comfortability of high high winds and a lot of snow in your face. But it's going to be really cold. Adam Roberts will continue to stay up to speed, up to date on the latest on traffic. As he said, that spin-out has closed I-41 uh, 41 southbound Atlantic Road, so be careful around there. Be careful everywhere. Take your time. If you don't have to get out there today, stay at home. Every I said this yesterday. Everybody's got in their homes, most people, you could probably survive for a month without going to shopping. You have all the macaroni and all the stuff you got. Single guys, maybe not so much, right? <laughs> what do you like? What do you got in your? In well, your, first of all, I am not a single. guy. I know you're Steve. not, but like in your cupboard right now, how long could you survive? Mm, that is, I think, given what we have, I could probably make it. Dovey and I about a month. Okay, see, you got like I know we could survive for forever because there's two people and our freezers are full, our cupboards are stocked, our cabinets have plenty. of... Literally, we could go for months, other than maybe milk. We'll survive. So you don't have to go out today. Go out Sunday before the Packers game at 3.30. Exactly. All right. We'll stay with Adam and see what he's what any updates he has on traffic or weather throughout the day here on WTMJ. We will keep you posted on all things weather, traffic, and even some of the sports we'll throw in there. Lots more to get to in my remaining half hour before we hand it off to Brian Noonan today. The megastar of WTMJ Nights. That's going to happen at noon, that handoff. We'll uh, see where I go next after this. Yes, we are monitoring the conditions for you, so you don't have to. You can stay home. You can uh, listen to some of our great, a good chance to tease my Decision Wisconsin podcast. You can find it at WTMJ.com. So I have not only, I think I got, I got three in the bag already that are posted. Uh, we started my editions of the Decision Wisconsin podcast with uh, the guys, Joseph Pecky, Bill McCaution, last week. And I've added a few other folks. We had uh, retired Justice Mary Kuhnmensch and uh, local attorney Matt O'Neill. It's a great podcast. It's only 20 minutes-ish. And we talked about the immunity question for the President of the United States, former president, and the fake elector story, because Matt O'Neill, attorney, was involved in some of that conversation. Uh, That's up at WTMJ.com. In the weeks ahead... We're going to have conversations with Ben Wickler, chair of the Democratic Party. On the other side, we got Jake Curtis, who's who is going to. He wrote a great piece, uh, I think it was in Politico, on the Ron DeSantis campaign. So, sort of a uh, right and left side of the political aisle. That's coming up. Uh, Charles Franklin. I'm going to record with him Monday. You'll see it's available on our platforms on Tuesday, probably. Uh, talking about. All right, so we have this incredible year coming up in 2024 as a pollster. What are some of the things they're looking at? What are some of the things they're going to do? Fascinating year in politics. Politics. You can find it all at Decision Wisconsin Podcast. If you go to WTMJ.com, click on the podcast tab, you'll see it in the list of all the shows. Decision Wisconsin. It is worth a listen. The great thing about podcasts, they're short. 
You have to listen for three hours. No commercials, which I love. So as my year goes forward, I'm going to not only be doing this show, but also lots of podcast stuff. So I got two avenues for you. I'm going to be doing the Decision Wisconsin stuff and some fun stuff on Scafidiology podcast, which I'm going to ramp up. You'll see a Chef Fecker show up. You'll see some sports people show up. You'll see some whatever. Anything not politics will be on the Scafidiology banner, under the banner of Scafidiology, and uh, looking forward to the year ahead in 2024. I uh, want to give you a quick update. I'll tell you what. I'll tease it a little bit, and then we'll, we'll go to break, and then we'll, uh, we'll give it to you afterwards. So I had... A conversation, it was, I think it was early this week on the, the proposal by Republican, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, on the idea of legalizing medicinal marijuana. And I had Speaker Robin Voss on the show, I think it was two Fridays ago, it might have been three. And he talked about this. This is something that they wanted to do. One of the things that was part of the idea that came forward Monday was this idea of state run dispensaries where you sell this medicinal marijuana with some some caveats on who can buy it and who can't. Well, there's a strong reaction to that story, to that proposal, to that bill, from Wisconsin Senate Republicans. So I'm going to give you some of that feedback, and I'm going to tell you I'm not surprised. We'll get to that and more after this on WTMJ. Lots of conversation about weather. We'll get to some more of that in a second. But I wanted to kind of update you on the story. So I had Speaker Robin Voss on the show a few weeks ago, and we talked about uh, the Republicans' proposal to finally, 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 my words, uh, bring medicinal marijuana legalization to the state. Something should have happened five years ago. I don't want to argue about that. That's my opinion. Um, and at the time I talked to Speaker Voss, the specifics weren't available. Those specifics became available this week, and one of the ideas for medicinal marijuana is to create, I think it was five, the number five state-run dispensaries where these medicinal marijuana allotments, prescriptions, would be filled. State-run. Well, I thought it was odd because as long as I've been a Republican and known Republicans, Republicans are for smaller government, not creating more agencies, not more entities, and spending more money on, on, on things like that, because there's facilities, there's workers, there's resources that you wouldn't have to do. If you, if you left it to the private sector, which sort of made more sense to me, well, I'm not the only Republican that thinks that. Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahue said the Speaker's version, the Assembly version of this bill, would need to be modified in order to gain the support of Senate Republicans, of course, unnecessary component of passing this bill and getting it to the desk of Governor Tony Evers. And also Senate President Chris Kapenga also is opposed to this form of the bill, at least the dispensary thing. Uh, Lemahieu said this at a WISP Politics luncheon yesterday. My caucus, and maybe for a lot of members or of the Assembly caucus, we campaign on controlling the size of government. And I think that makes complete sense. It makes no sense to create more governments to try to fashion a new distribution system when we already have pharmacies, doctor's offices, places where we could certainly allow a prescription to be filled for medicinal marijuana. I don't know why we wouldn't do this. And I will, I'm, I'm scheduled to talk to uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss next week on the show, so we will certainly ask him that question. 
I think this is a good development. And I'll, I'll put it this way. Medicinal marijuana needs to happen in this state. I understand some people don't like the idea. Look, this is a no-brainer. It's always been a no-brainer. When you're talking about pain relief, anxiety, depression relief, the ability of people to use marijuana medicinal to eliminate pain or control some of those other issues, that's not a political question. That's a quality of life question. This is not difficult. So Republicans who control the legislature, let's be honest, they got to get their act together. And I'm actually pleased that the Senate has said, you know what? I don't like this idea. We don't like this idea. We're not going to do it this way. And I will certainly ask Speaker Voss if he comes on the show next week that question. To me, it's a no-brainer. I separate out medicinal and recreational. You heard what I said earlier this week. I don't see the state legalizing recreational mar- marijuana until at least 2028. I just don't see it. I picked the number. That's my number. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen earlier. Doesn't mean it could never happen. Wisconsin's a very unique state. You all know that. But I'm encouraged by the comments of the, of the uh, senator, state senator, and Majority Leader Devin Lemahieu and Chris Kapanga, that they are at least looking at this, what I think is a common-sense revision to the bill. Let's not create more stuff, more entities, more buildings, more a need for more workers. We already have private sector workforce and facilities that can handle this. There will be a demand. We know this. We see it in the numbers of people that travel to other states to purchase marijuana, recreational Whether they use it for medicinal or not, we don't know. That's a reality that happens today, whatever our rules are. This is not a hard one. All right, we're going to take a break here. After the break, we do it every Friday here on the the program, and this week is no different. might be a little shorter today because there's a lot of breaking news when it comes to weather and traffic. The Week in Review, sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, coming up next. A lot of folks keeping me posted on the uh, latest news from the road or, or wherever they are. Uh, a lot of people saying take the home bridge. It looks fantastic right now. That's probably going to be my route home, so thank you for that. Uh, reminder, headlights do not come auto, uh, come on automatically, even with the technology. Turn them on manually. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, this is a good one from the 847. This is heavy snow. Uh, Texture says, warn all your listeners to take precaution, not to overexert, take a break. Snow is going to be there, and we're going to frankly add to the totals throughout the day and night. Uh, it's very taxing in the heart, especially with cold weather. Uh, so that's a great reminder about the clearing part. Here's a testimony from the 262. Our mail carrier delivery truck got stuck in the middle of our cul-de-sac and then turned around and left as the neighborhood streets haven't been plowed yet in New Berlin. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back later. So, uh, And I said before, six inches in Brookfield, six inches in uh, Lake Geneva. So it's coming down. The wind's going to start, uh, if it already hasn't already started. I'm looking at one of the local... Uh, stations here. Looks like 10 to 14, except for the very little strip along the lake, 6 to 10 west of like Eagle and those areas. So this is a big snow event for the latest and greatest coverage. WTMJ.com is the station to listen to, or the website to visit and the station WTMJ. We'll, we'll cover it all day and it's going to be on all the shows. Brian Newton is going to pick up in a little bit here and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that he is also up to speed as our great news department always is. Um, couple people with comments about the marijuana story, which is interesting because that's how we're going to start the weekend review. Um, 
This is so. This is from the two six two. This is so typical of the Republicans. Start a bill, throw a little hurdle like five state dispensaries to make sure it doesn't get done. They can wring their hands and say they try, but those darn Dems stopped it. I, I don't know if that's the story here. There's legitimate disagreement among Republicans. I'm not going to demonize anybody on this. This is something that should happen. Republicans, Democrats, get together. Republicans, figure out what the rules are. Don't create more expense to fix a problem that we should have fixed five years ago. Simple as that. All right, one of our regular Friday features, we do it every week. This week is no different. Just talking about it. a proposal for medicinal marijuana. The pack punched their playoff ticket. Playoffs. Winner puts Wisconsin in a vice grip and more. It's the Weekend Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. a little bit about one of the things that i know is they eat a lot of grass which is fiber so of course if you eat a lot of fiber what happens jessica Some gassy a little gassy. they're going to create a food additive to improve cow's digestion so hopefully they won't be burping as much that's definitely a creative solution <laughs> to the problem not much to do in green bay except watch football <laughs> very funny <laughs> Jones, back to first down to lock it up. That'll send Green Bay into the postseason. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Not bloody likely. All right, so what do you think of the weather? It sucks. I hate this snow. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. WTMJ Fleet Farm Storm Team Alert. All of southeast Wisconsin under a winter storm warning. This low pressure system tracks right up just passing down to our south. I think we're going to see dramatically different conditions. Six to ten inches of accumulations. Round two. I'm watching a storm system for Friday into Saturday. If we get hit with this one, it could be even bigger. Milwaukee's Mitchell International Airport was pretty quiet at 10 o'clock this morning. Delays and cancellations were starting. Unfortunately, our flight this morning was canceled, and we don't have a flight until tomorrow. It looks like a winter wonderland in Waukesha. Six, seven inches already on the ground and more coming down. Yeah, yeah. This, this is a big snowstorm. Hope for the best. And, uh... We'll see what happens. And now for something completely different. What we're proposing today is not a panacea. Five dispensaries would be spread across the state under the proposal, which would be run by the state as opposed to the private sector. It can become like the wild, wild west out there. We didn't want that to happen here. The Milwaukee Bucks and Good Karma Brands today announcing a new first-of-its-kind audio broadcasting platform, Bucks Plus. You could think about your 30 for 30s. You could think about the last dance with Michael Jordan. Take that into an audio world, and that's really what we're trying to create. Mayor of Glendale was Responding to reports that the new Milwaukee city sales tax of 2% has been erroneously applied to some suburban businesses. Mayor Brian Kennedy says his office has collected hundreds of examples of residents being charged the incorrect sales tax. If a president of the United States does not have immunity, he'll be totally ineffective. Yeah, I've been immunized. Closure for a Milwaukee family whose home was shot at multiple times by a stranger last January. I've let emotions get in the way and... It just happened so fast, and I knew there was a camera there, uh, and I apologize. This woman bought that house to raise her daughter and her grandchildren, to give them a safe haven. Bizarre conclusion to a police chase when a Milwaukee police car and the SUV it was pursuing 
Both ended up in a creek this morning. The SUV losing control and ending up in the lake. Police followed them down into the lake and then arrested two 17-year-olds. Things should be normal at the creek now, but <laughs> a bizarre morning near 44th and Congress. What a week. Don't turn this into a drinking game. Hey there, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Thank you, Adam Roberts. The Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Just some updates on the weather. It's getting tricky out there. Highway 100 in Hales Corners, according to Sam Cuffel, local meteorologist who got stuck out there. It's trash. So keep that in mind if you're on uh, traveling in the Hales Corners area on Highway 100. Uh, that's kind of the condition on a lot of the local roadways. Again, I've said this over and over again. If you don't have to be out there, why in the world would you go out there? You can survive with what you got on your house more than likely, unless it's an emergency, which is understandable. Stay home. And uh, it's only going to get worse. The, the heavy stuff is coming down later later today. More snow, higher wind, all adding to a very horrible commute. So those uh, who didn't heed the warning and stay home or work for home, you're going to have some challenges in the hours and, in the case of this storm, days ahead.